You're listening to the Enhance Your Practice podcast series, brought to you by ASPS University. I'm ASPS University Chair, Dr. Nicholas Panetta, and I invite you to check out all of our educational offerings, from professional surgical videos, courses on practice management, and much, much more at ASPS EdNet. Today we're joined by Joanne Dennison, who's the president of the ASPSP, the American Society of Plastic Surgery Professionals. Thank you for joining us today, Joanne. Well, thank you for having me. So we're going to talk today about staffing in a private practice. For a surgeon who is starting out a new practice, how would they choose the right kind of staff, the types of staff that they need? Well, first thing, they need leadership. They need a good leader, somebody who could come in and help either answer the phones, be a receptionist, surgical scheduler, communicate with the hospitals and also credential the doctor, all those aspects would need to be covered in the beginning. And then you would want either a nurse or an MA depending on whether you're doing the injectables yourself. The MA would be there just to help with the post-ops and bring the patients back to the rooms and set up the rooms for you, the doctor. What uh, attributes do you look for when you're thinking about hiring staff? Well, most important is personality because you can teach anybody anything, but you can't change their character or the way they come across. That's innate in them. So most important is that you find somebody who has a personality that matches the surgeon, who's outgoing, is a pleasant person to be around, and is open-minded. As a plastic surgery professional, how do you work with the plastic surgeon's feedback? Do you go with what their input is, or do you have any other things that you look for? In my practice, there are four plastic surgeons, and I like to get their feedback, so we have a monthly meeting. However, I do bring to them my ideas and something to back them so that they can be educated on the decision, but in my practice, they give me a lot of leeway to make decisions because I've proven to them that I'm looking out for their best interest. As a plastic surgeon, if I wanted to make sure my staff, the practice administrator, had the right skills to really function at a high level, how could I go about doing that? Send your staff to as many meetings as you can because, for instance, the annual meeting, and now we're going to have the spring meeting as well, it's important that you send your practice managers, schedulers, whoever else you want in the office to it, but it's important that they learn the new trends, they're up on anything from credentialing to how to get a clean claim, staffing, hiring, web design, social media. Social media is really big right now. I mean, that is something that some of the older practices aren't aware of, and they were always, I have physicians in my office that are older, and they didn't market. They just didn't believe in it. It was word of mouth. Well, in our area, there's 22 plastic surgeons within a 10-mile radius. If we don't get with social media and catch up with that, we're going to get lost. So going to these meetings, it helps. There's always somebody there who their specialty is social media, web design, as well as all the other functions, hiring the right staff. We had a panel yesterday on the characteristics of a, a efficient front desk. It was great. I mean, there was so much feedback from the audience as well as the panel itself that we learned a lot that needs to be done and we can improve upon in focusing on how to run an office. 
So when you're thinking about uh, your practice, how do you decide whether you're going to handle things yourselves within the staff that you have versus outsourcing it to a contractor? That's a great question. In our practice, and I can only speak for my practice where I'm at, we have to decide financially which is feasible. What do you outsource? What don't you outsource? What are your strengths and weaknesses as far as your practice manager and the other staff that you have who can help in different areas. So I do all the financials. However, I have a CPA that overlooks it, which is good for both the physician and myself because I want checks and balances in place. I, I would never advise a practice to have one person doing your financials and not have a checks and balance in place. I hate to say it, but embezzlement happens. and. <laughs> The best thing for the physician is to have something set up like that. And when I first went on board, they had me doing everything. I was not comfortable with that at all. I wanted checks and balances. That means they have to spend a little money on a CPA, but to me it's worth it. I'm not perfect. I might make a mistake. And someone overlooking the books is the best way to go for the physician as well. So you mentioned your experiences with the financials, but... Are there any things you've learned over the course of your career as a practice professional that you think have been very valuable? Tips that you might share with, uh, with the listeners? Well, it's a little off topic. However, I think it's very important, and we have found this in our practice, you do not hire family. Absolutely. In fact, the doctors have it in their contracts if we bring on a new doctor that their family's not allowed to work there, particularly wives or husbands, because most physicians have their spouse who's also in the medical field, and, and it can cause problems. And uh, when we recently brought in another physician, I remember telling him in the interview process that his wife couldn't, he wanted his wife to be his office manager. Although we had an office manager, he wanted his wife to be the office manager. He said, well, she can't do that. I'll have her be the receptionist. And I told him as nicely as I could that we couldn't bring, he, if he wanted to be in our practice, he couldn't bring his wife. And what was funny about that is I was really nervous about telling him that. And then the next day, because his wife was there during all this, the next day he calls and says, can we meet? And I said, sure. So you met me for a coffee. And he says to me, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't want his wife to work there. <laughs> he said, that would just cause too many problems, but I can't tell her that. <laughs> so he thanked us for having that policy. But it has worked out for us. We One doctor one time asked me to hire his sister who needed a job. And that went sideways very quickly. And I had to fire her, and that was very uncomfortable. So that from that day forward, we said no family can work with us. That was a big one, though. <laughs> so other than that experience, are there any other things you would have done differently? No, not really. Well, it's really important to have policies in place. And truthfully, when I went on board, they didn't have that. So I developed a handbook. I had an attorney look it over and actually ended up outsourcing it talking about outsourcing, I used a payroll service, and they have an HR portion, and with that, they were able to help me together come up with a handbook that was suitable to our practice and our policies and how we wanted to structure things. That's really important. Can you tell me some of your strategies on how you manage younger employees? As surgeons, we're the younger surgeons are in their mid-30s, and when we think about some of the other staff we might bring on, MAs, receptionists, mm -hmm. other administrative assistants, they might be in their early 20s. 
So we're talking about millennials. I don't really like to use that term, but yeah. Yes, I know. (laughs) That was brought up yesterday at the panel on uh, hiring. And at first I thought it was difficult. And there's a different work ethic. It's a different climate with social media and how communication set up and all that. However, I did find that most of the younger employees, all they're looking for is validation. That's what they want. They want to be validated. At least hear them out. Once you do that and you have that communication going with them, it goes really well. And honestly, I just hired somebody. Uh, She was in her mid-20s, and she caught onto the computer and our software program so quickly she's able to help other staff. So she's a gift. She's a gift to our practice. It was a little rough start, but it was one day sitting down with her talking about what our expectations were, what she could do and what what was she comfortable she started as a receptionist but what was she comfortable with and within a year we were able to promote her to I would say IT support she was that good at it and um, that's not what she applied for but that's what she ended up doing and now she loves her job loves it and she's an asset to our practice Um, so so as a follow-up to that are there any things that uh, people can look for in some of their staff members to realize that they've got some hidden potential? That is a great question. The best way to do that, I have a monthly staff meeting and in those meetings, we have a round table and we go to each person and ask them if there's anything that they would like to improve upon or any ideas they have for the practice or anything that's concerning them. And through those conversations, in fact, that is how I got to know that 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 young lady was able to um, help with IT issues because it's something she did as almost like a hobby or it's innate in her that her second nature and at the same time I found somebody who was very good at social media so she was able to help with that and it's through those conversations that you're able to pick up on traits that other people have. I have an MA that is very outgoing and she one day said could I help you train the front staff and at first I thought, well, I don't know about Emmy training the front staff, but we had a little round table together and she helped with a back and forth conversation and we came up with scripts for the front desk so that when someone calls in, we have a script with some basic bio information on each physician and um, if they have a specialty and so she was very, very helpful with that, and that all came out of a conversation in a staff meeting. In your experience, when the staff members have their own social media accounts, have you had any positive benefits with regards to the practice, or even some negative experiences with regards to the practice and the staff's own social media? The positive aspect of it is that if we're having a night of beauty um, at at our practice, which we do in the spring and the fall, they can go on their social media and say, come to some Somerset plastic surgery. We're having a night of beauty. We'll have raffles and, um, you know, special pricing on Botox or fillers, whatever it is. And that's been very helpful. It's made our numbers substantially grow for our events. Any negative issues with uh, staff putting things up and because of their jobs? perhaps inappropriate posts or anything like that? It only happened once, and it was taken down immediately. So you think the practice has policies? uh, Yes, our handbook. 
Yes. In fact, they weren't in the original handbook. They are now, though. <laughs> so, Joanne, you've been involved with ASPSP. What are the real benefits of, of having staff involved? Well, for me personally, when I first became a manager, I had been in, to go backwards, I was in automotive for years, 20-some years. And then I became a, a practice manager in a medical facility, which I didn't have a background in. First thing I did is go to my original meeting, ASPS meeting in 2007. I met several other managers. We exchanged phone numbers. We started networking. And that was the most valuable thing to me that I did as a practice manager because if I was in a bind and I didn't know how to handle a situation, I had a phone number or an email at my fingertips. I was able to get a hold of somebody in that society and they would have an answer and if they didn't, they would connect me with somebody who did. I, I can't even tell you how valuable that is. I highly recommend any new physician, particularly the residents going out there, get your staff to go to these meetings. If nothing else, the people they meet will help them along the way. You can be sitting at lunch with somebody and they'll say, I'm having a problem with this. And you go, oh, I thought it was only our practice. Yeah, we're having the exact same problem. And they'll be able to help you with it. And then you brainstorm amongst each other. And next thing you know, you have an answer, a solution to the problem. That's been invaluable. I've met friends along the way who have connected me with other physicians who were able to help. In fact, I started a residence program at our practice and um, from Wayne State School of Medicine. And um, I would never have done that had I not spoken to another manager who said they were doing the same thing. And I thought, what a great idea. And one of the physicians in our practice has always wanted to do that. He's very involved in the medical school. And so we started having monthly meetings with them. And in fact, when I come to these meetings, I've run into quite a few of my residents, and it's so nice. They remember it because when you get out of medical school, you are a great surgeon, you're great at what you do, but do you know how to run a business? Do you know what you need to do to staff? You're the owner, in other words, of your practice. So what do you do to start your practice up? How do you maintain it? How do you know who to hire? How do you know the credentialing, the, you know, who to get malpractice insurance from, all those issues. So we do those. How do you set up an LLC or a PLLC? Do you want to have a solo practice, a, a multi-physician practice? What is it you want? All those things. And by coming to these meetings, I've met so many people that have helped me in every aspect of that. I, I, I highly recommend it. Joanne, I want to thank you for, for joining us today and, and sharing all of your valuable experience with us. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks again. Join us on the next episode of Enhance Your Practice, where we'll be discussing what skills to look for in potential employees and the training needed beyond onboarding with Dr. Daniel Ness and Ashley Bolton. Have you been racking your brain about how to staff your practice? Worry no longer. ASPS University has just released their latest course, the Staffing Toolkit. Learn all about the staffing life cycle, from recruitment to hiring to training and management. With the course, you will receive a complimentary resource guide that includes sample job descriptions, hiring evaluation tools, checklists, and much more. Visit plasticsurgery.org forward slash staffing toolkit today for more information. Check out our other great practice management courses 
like late career planning and the essentials of coding on ASPS EdMed.